Welcome, everybody. This is Michael Collazo, CEO of OpenSea Direct. This is our fourth episode conversation, talking to a live event professional, hoping all the wonderful event organizers, creators out there use this as a good opportunity to learn more about how the pros do it, help your work, and learn a bit more about OpenSea Direct as well. And so our guest today is uh, a tour management pro. We're very excited to have her. Tanya Vialva Duke. Say hello, Tanya. Hi, everyone. All right. So um, I first, as always, ask, uh, and we first thank you for jumping on with us today. But in particular, we always like to get a sense of first, where are you from? Even a subway stop, if it's relevant. Okay. Well, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I guess you would say the three or four line on Utica Avenue is the stop I used to get off at every day for the last, I don't know how many years of my life. (laughs) There you go. That's awesome. That's great. So I guess growing up there, like, you know, Brooklyn, big city, America, right? So how much of that experience you think kind of inspired you to where you ended up? Uh, I know it did for me being a city kid and, and some of the stuff uh, you just sort of gravitate to from an entertainment or sports standpoint. So what uh, was it for you? Yeah, I went to a private school over there. Um, it was a small school for black kids and um music was a part of everything, you know, downs from the hymns. And it was a Catholic school, so, you know, it was real hymns. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we had a music program, and all we were allowed to sing was hymns in school. So that started it, and I had a teacher there. I don't remember her name. And she was like, you should continue this. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't really want to sing in public. Like, shower I'm good at, but I got nerves. Like, I had nerves at, like, 10. So, uh I went to it and then I was like, all right, let me try it. And so I auditioned to the music and art school out here on 66th Street in Amsterdam. Yeah, right in New York City, right. And I was like, well, I guess I'm singing. (laughs) I guess this is where I'm going. But it wasn't something that my heart was really in. I just never felt that I was a performer the way that they needed performers to be. I think I'm too shy of a person naturally to be that Mm. vulnerable on stage. So uh, I went to Grammy in the schools which, you know, you get all these opportunities in New York and Grammy in the schools. And I went to a seminar and I watched people, I think it was a bunch of A&R's talk. I was like, I don't want to do that. I definitely want to do something around that. That's great. And and that was my inspiration. And I just like, I knew there was no plan B. I was going to be in music. I just didn't know what or when, but it was going to do it. And that was it. That's great. Yeah, because anytime you have a pass for some, you don't necessarily have to be like the power forward on the team, right? Yeah. There's a whole industry. There's a whole... uh, different ways you connect to the world that doesn't have to be the, the actual performer in your case. Right. So that's dope. And then, so yeah, where did you, you went to college and then sort of what got you from, let's say your academic background to getting a start closer to what you do now, let's say, how did that work? So I went to uh, five towns college and I got a a music business degree there. And then I started interning at like TVT records. Then I finally landed a job at Def Jam and I was Mm. in publicity there for about maybe four to five years, I was in publicity. And, you know, we went through that, you know, the great layoffs where everybody got chopped for a while. And, and when was that in particular there? That's right, it was- uh, uh, I would say 2010. Okay, yeah, so about 10, 11, yeah. And I bounced around from different locations and I, just, <clears throat> I was really finding my footing. And I decided to go back to get my master's degree from Syracuse. and. During that, I landed at Red Music and this position came up where it was like a ticket coordinator 
or and I was like, well, all right, I got the job. And one of my coworkers there, Joanne, she was like, you know, you should try this job for Atlantic because it's it's a little bit more uh, creative than the ones here. And I kind of just fell into this position. And it was one of the greatest suggestions I've had because I actually really, really enjoy this part of the life because I get to still be part of the live <clears throat> and not really have to be on stage. So uh, yeah, no, indeed. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about what, because uh, I've been in, uh, obviously, OpenSea directs a ticketing software. So it helps uh, event organizers, you know, uh, manage event and sell tickets. So mm -hmm. as a ticket coordinator for a label, what does that entail? Like, what, what are you doing in that sense? Well, it's uh, <clears throat> being the middleman, again, between the label and and the venue, or like you said, like a ticket sales person, right? So uh, we will get our list of our VIPs, our like our partners that we really need to come and see a show and create a list, get the counts, and then work with the venue and the software or the people. Well, now it's more software because we yeah, have yeah. stats for everything. Right. And to get the tickets to the right people at the right place, make sure that everything works because sometimes it doesn't. No, <laughs> no, that's works. right. <laughs> and that everybody can get to see and enjoy the show. So it's a lot of back and forth and making sure that all our T's and I's are crossed and dotted. No, and, and that... That's to, and it's someone who used to work on the arena side, right? I was sitting in the office with the box office people where sometimes, okay, we're going to put these seats on hold because X artist needs 100 holds and two weeks out, that might grow or that might decrease. And then we maybe we could, you know, there's all that back and forth of what's publicly available after you give up some or yeah. if you need to get more or they don't like the location, all these things, right? That come yeah. into play. It's like yeah. making sure that the people or the parts <clears throat> that we invite can actually see the show. They're not standing yeah. in the back because we want them to promote the artist in some sort of way. So right. that's one of the main things that uh, we focus on, even on in my position and as a ticket coordinator, like right. it's, uh, I guess a VI, uh, we will call it a VIP section. Yeah. Just mostly to ensure that the people who need to see the show can see the show. Right. So those holds are a mix of what? So it's literally like, it might be artists, family and friends, right? But it could be like that Rolling Stone writer or, yeah, you know, it's usually a mix of coordinator. it. Coordinator, it could yeah, be yeah. Spotify, the person that will push <clears throat> that playlisting. It can gotcha. be, um, it can be the CEO's cousin. You don't, you never really know. No, no, right, 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 right. Inside there. But right. it's one of those things that it's still very, very important. And it's something that we have to, I think we do that at least every day to make yeah. sure that we have a good VIP section, more for the visuals than anything else. Oh, I'll get you. Now, are any of those holds also maybe like trades with the marketing? Because I know sometimes even a small promoter be like, you know what, I want to do like a radio ad or something. Instead of paying, I might trade out tickets and that's or a mix of trade and pay. Yeah, if Any of those came in your batch, let's say? Uh, sometimes mostly that works out with the booking agent and the venue. They will sense, do yeah. a separate, well, where they'll run ads for tickets and then give a ticket giveaway and then run right. ads for the show. Right. Uh, sometimes for us too, we will add a 10 ticket hold in a market and have our radio stations final, our radio, our radio coordinate, not coordinators, our radio people that are work in markets individually and they will go to the station and work out stuff for, or invite the station people themselves to come see right. the show. 
Right, right. Okay. No, that makes sense. So usually there's a marketing bucket and you're more like the artist, like label bucket as it were. Oh well, no, we're 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 everything. <laughs> we're kind of everything. We'll take all we'll take it all and we'll just organize it to where it can be streamlined. Cause sometimes it can get really confusion and really, really hectic if you have 15 people requesting from one person. Okay, got it. And then sorry. Right. So the um, so how did you get from the ticket coordinator component to to that work, ramping up to I guess more the tour marketing and overseeing more elements of what you're doing? Well, um, in our, in my position, it's it's different. Like our position have different parts to it. So there's the promo um, marketing side where we coordinate the travel and uh, and the schedules for artists while they're in town in a market to make sure that they can meet and greet the people they need to talk to while they're in that market. Then the tour side entails um, where we have to make sure that the tours that they're on are beneficial to them or helps and they don't look crazy with that. We'll be scheduling uh, movement coaching, vocal coaching, whether it's styling to make sure that they look good while they're out on the road, anything to help their show become better or to be best, the best that they can do, that's what we help them with. And then there's also, you know, working with the label, the different departments within the label and coordinating with them to make sure that we can get the artists in the location and time and place that they need to be. I see, I see. And then I guess with that, um, there must be occasions where, you know, just crazy stuff happens where, you know, um, you know, with the amount of cities or just dealing with certain artists with their issues or not, or just logistical stuff. I can imagine anything that jumps in, jump, you know, comes to mind that, uh, <laughs> or it might be as more of a common, hey, as part of the business is what the more difficult elements of that would be. I don't know if anything comes out in particular. Um, well, sometimes we have to find a whole band and put a whole band together last minute because maybe the band can't get through customs or there's something that goes wrong. So you literally have to go and be like, okay, let's put one together today for tomorrow. Um, there's times where somebody's sick and we can't get a doctor. So we have to find a doctor that'll go to them, you know? Oh, wow. There, there are times where like how I sound scratchy right now, cause I'm tired, uh, that will happen and we need to find something that makes that like you got a show you could do this okay let's figure it out let's get it together Heck yeah, yeah, no kidding. we're calling everybody to try to see how we can make it make you feel better you know um it can be very random or very simple like you know sometimes people leave bag in the airports <laughs> like and you're like oh yeah that was your costume. So we got to go find you and your, or your luggage get lost and we need to find a replacement for it tonight. Like little, like stuff like that happens all the time. And it's, you're pulling your hair out, but then like after you solve the problem, you're just laughing. Like how the hell did that just happen? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Or somebody spells their name wrong and the ticket goes to another person. And then you have to find a way to retract the ticket to send it to the right. Person. Oh yeah, yeah, right. right, right. Yeah. So, what uh, take me? I guess through the basic steps. So, let's say, hey, X artist is going to do hundred city tour, whatever, international, whatever. So, what are sort of the basics? I guess from a budgeting, marketing, logistical stuff that you kind of like. All right, these are the three or four things that I'm sort of basically 
you know, starting in that process. When we know an artist is going to do a supporting tour, uh, the first thing we do is get our budget together and see right. how much this is going to cost and if this is worth financially to do it. Because some tours may not be worth it. You know, it may not get the exposure that you need for the artist, or they may not have the music out to promote at the time. Um, so we get our budget together, which will consist of rehearsing and every rehearsal, styling, uh, backline, uh, hotels, ground transportation, airport, baggage, uh, who is going to be on your payroll? Are you using a live band versus a DJ? Like, these are all the things that we need to get together first. Then we figure out how long is your set going to be? Is it going to be a 15 to 20 minute set? set? Uh, whether are we going to use TV track or are you comfortable using TV tracks to perform on stage? And if you are comfortable doing that, then we hit to the rehearsals. So normally, you know, we try to keep the rehearsals. We try not to burn you out, but we try to keep the rehearsals respectable because it's like anything. It's like it's like being an athlete. Yeah, the, there's not much difference from being an artist as far as training and keeping yourself on point. Right. As same way you have to play a basketball game. So yeah. there's a lot of making sure that the rehearsal is straight. Maybe you need a movement coach. You need your music director to make sure that your set keeps the crowd up. You don't want to bore your crowd, especially if you're an opener. So your music director needs to organize your set to make sure that it plays well and your crowd and the crowd that may or may not know you reacts well to it. Right. So these are all the things that in the beginning that goes on. And then in our end, depending on where you are, it's promoting that you're going to be on tour, letting people know what time you're going to go out on set. And sometimes that's the artist's work too, because people like to listen more from the artist than they do on the label. So us putting it out is great. But when you telling you telling me, hey, I'm going to be on at 12 o'clock, make sure you're there. Shit, I'm all right, cool. I'm. She's saying she's going to be the 12. I'm going to show up. Yeah, so right. It's, um, and that's another thing, making people, making people aware where we would run maybe ads on the back to let fans know that you're going to be where you need to be on time. And production, what is your stage setup going to look like? Right. That's that's another thing, too, because if you're not the headliner, you may not have that much space. You may only have enough space for a DJ and maybe a dancer if you're if you're that kind of artist. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right. And then you put you on the road and, and pray that you make it back in one well, piece. I was about to say, yeah, good luck to you, right? <laughs> As it were, right? Touring life is not easy. I do not envy anybody who's like, I'm about to go on a 36 city tour. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's great. It's hard work. No, and it is. Yeah. Homesick. You miss your family. You miss your friends. And maybe you may wake up and don't remember what city that you're in. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happens a lot. Like, wait, where am I today? Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. It's funny you, you mentioned that, you know, talking to, you know, artists, particularly indie artists that have done the tour thing. And two things that seem to jump out to me in their experiences. One is concern to eat the wrong thing. And so sometimes you may go to these exotic cities that you've never been to and you've only seen on TV or a movie. And a tourist thought, right, Tanya is, oh, I wanna explore the local cuisine and this and that, but it's also, well, what if I get sick on it? What if it doesn't agree with me and all of a sudden, so you kind of gravitate sometimes to the McDonald's when you probably shouldn't. I don't know if that ever yeah. comes up, 
Actually, it does. It's funny because uh, I went somewhere and it was a personal vacation. And my friend, she went, she's like, I'm going to try everything. I'm like, make sure it's fried. Fried kills germs. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> that's my best advice. If it's fried, you might be all right. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, you, you don't know how long things have been sitting out there. But you, some people tend to gain weight on tour because you are hitting whatever's closest by. You're not. Yeah, right. Really, you may not even have the time, honestly, to go find the local the right. local mom and pop that hit right you know you may want to but you may not get it you know because you have literally less than 24 hours in some places by the time right. you get to the market and you load in maybe your call time is like your your sound check time is probably like let's say it's like three o'clock yes yeah, right it's right right the show's over at 11 and then you're back to the next city by 12 or 1 a.m so you may not even have the closest thing by the starbucks and mcdonald's well, I guess right. like, you know, you might just eat that because it's close by. Right. Um, it happens. I mean, uh, it's one of those things that you kind of have to you start learning these menus and you know what you like along the road. Well, yeah. And that's the that's the other part. Right. Is that, you know, even though you might have a gig in Paris, let's say, mm. oh, man, it's the greatest thing ever. It's like, yeah, but I don't have time to do what a, a vacationer would do. So I may have just been in a hotel I thought was maybe dingy or didn't like, and I went to a, a club or a, a venue. I did it and I left. I don't really have a concept of what Paris was like, yeah. you know, in that context, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're lucky and you maybe have a tour manager who knows you like to see things, you may squeeze in one touristy thing for you if you have the time in the during the day. Like, hey, we could stop by this at 6 a.m. Go outside and take your picture and let's go. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, you need it for the IG, I would think, right? Yeah, like I'm like, the take the moment, post it up three hours later. Yeah. Everybody needs to know when you're there. They think you're there now. <laughs> but that unfortunately, that might be the reality. You don't get the time. Yeah. You're working. It's not vacation. You're yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not including whatever promo the label wants to put you to do while you're out there. Right. Right. Well, I guess I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts as per budgeting. So, you know, again, event organizers, I would use an open seat direct as example. They may play a, a certain lounge or bars consistently. They have a pretty decent fan base in that analogy. So they may want to do the next city over or whatever. Mm -hmm. So what is there sort of a obvious scenario that, hey, for if you have five band members or, or a certain budget per what the ticket price might be, I'm just curious what, uh, from your experience, how you, um, you know, how do you land on a certain number of a budget depending on, you know, based on, again, the music or the setup, the lighting, whatever it may be? Well, um, I think it depends on the level of artist that you're at. Normally, your yeah. booking agent will be the person to determine what your ticket sale price should be, right? Right. Because it depends, like, you you can easily price yourself out of sales by going too high, you know? Right. If right. you have one song and one song is platinum, and you have another song that's working, you're not going to put your ticket at 50. Like, right. Because nobody's going to, people, people don't like pe money isn't easy, you know, and yeah. you're, and you're, depending on your range, your target market may be kids who don't have jobs and have to ask their parents for jobs, the money right. to do things. So if I have one platinum song and I'm just want people to see me more, I might price my ticket anywhere from 20 to $35. Right. So right. it's, it's not, a ding in the pocket because you know you've got to buy an outfit 
because you're going to go out and have, it's, a, it's an event. You're going to go have a good time with your friends. So you want to look good doing it. So yeah. that goes into that. And then I want you to buy merch when you get there. Right. So if I want you to buy merch, why would I kill you on the entry fee when I can, you know, make, make more money by selling merch versus, you know, that I want you to come see me at this right, point. Right. Marketing right. towards you when you're starting now. You Beyonce, you can charge three hundred dollars. I don't care if you come and cut. Somebody's coming. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, that's a different level, obviously. Right? Yeah, so it, it, really, <laughs> yeah, it really depends on your level in life. Right, right, right. And I guess based on that, then then it's um, based on that. Then there's a certain budget you would have for, let's say, your DJ or band, right? So it's like, hey, you know, if it's if you're only charging a twenty five dollar ticket, you're not gonna have thirty piece orchestra. I mean, I'm using an extreme example, yeah. but you know what I mean. You, you might have to pare down to a certain DJ or, or whatever it is. Yeah, it naturally. So you know, you pay a DJ. Uh, that you negotiate. You, your tour manager, they would negotiate your 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 tour DJ's rate. You know what I mean? Or you might right. be able to afford a band, or maybe it's a two piece band versus the four piece band that you would use normally use or there'll be a guitarist and a dj and you mix to make your sound right like you have to think sometimes because of budgeting you have to think of outside of box ways to get the show you want versus you, you have to get your needs and your wants in at the same time right right now that makes sense yeah and then i guess what are the uh for someone considering um let's say hey we're thinking of doing a few towns outside of where we are and again, on a smaller scale, what's what's usually the what would advice you would give them as it relates to how to investigate if it kind of makes sense and, you know, to sort of maximize that first attempt to tour a little bit, let's say, outside of their their home base, let's say. So say they're doing like maybe a five city tour, right? Yeah. And they live on the let's say they live on the East Coast, right? Right. And I, if I was doing it out of pocket, out of hand, I would check my Spotify and see what's my strongest markets, right? And see my five strongest markets and end in my hometown. Right. So I would start from the furthest part out and try to put the dates consecutively so that I can save on gas. I can be consistent and I would try to do it in a short week, like within a week or a week and a half so that right. I'm spending that much money to being in hotels and on the road. And depending if it's just me and a DJ, it might be a SUV versus a 12 passenger van or a Sprinter. Right. So that's how I would do it on a short, on a short independent run. Right. Right. No, and I've, I've talked to artists where they're the drivers in that yeah. scenario. Right. And okay. we get the van, we rent it for a couple of weeks and we'll just switch off. You drive the first five, I drive the next five, you know, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. I mean, and just, leave enough time that you can get in your market so you can get some rest. Right. Because you can, like, if you hire a driver, a driver is only limited to drive for 12 hours. Like, if you get a professional driver, and they start at $300 a day. So, whereas you're driving yourself, you can push the 12 hours, you and your band members or your people that's rolling with you, you can push the 12 hours, and you can share rooms that will cut prices versus if you have a driver, you're paying him $300 a day, and you have to give him his own room. Because right. he needs to sleep because he's driving throughout the time and he has a 12, 12 hour cutoff. Right. No, that's and right. Including that's overdrive right. fees, which are. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. And you obviously don't want a, a tired bus driver or, or van driver. Needless to say, from a safety standpoint, they got to get yeah. some. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then from what you're seeing, like what's usually, obviously, the, the 
the reflex in marketing is like social media, right? For even people just doing yoga classes right up to indie artists, right? So um, uh, that's pretty standard, but are there other stuff that you're seeing that's sort of uh, maybe unique or, or new outside of, um, or, or included the normal, like IG, whatever it is, you know, uh, that's the basics, right? But are there other stuff that you see people doing pretty effectively? I think it's the TikTok. I mean, I don't understand. I'm too old to understand TikTok. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, but I watch it and I see, I see the direct correlation into sales and to people being excited about an artist. Like uh, some of the songs you see people singing the chorus because they knew the chorus through and through, but they may not know the song, but they know the chorus through and through because of TikToks and they just want to go see the person who sings it. Right. And I think that, that that's been the one I've noticed the most. And, you know, same thing, word of mouth always makes things happen and people share music. And that's the the beautiful thing about the day that we live in, that people could just share your stuff and you become an overnight success just by sharing alone. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy. The viral, sort of the viral video, video or the viral moment, whatever it may be. Um, do, you, do, you, uh, do you get a sense from the time you've been working that... Um, what has shifted in uh, when an artist is ready to tour or what needs to take place? Is it a short, you know, maybe in the past it was, you have to drop an album, you kind of tore off the album or you need to have a hit take off, but is it is it a shorter um, need to get out there? Could it be just something, you know, your beat for a minute got hot on TikTok and now you can figure a way to tour off it? Like what's, I just wonder how that might have changed, if at all. Like, what usually needs to happen for the artist to be relevant enough to to do the tour thing? Um, I don't think that's really changed so much. I think people just gotta like you or want to yeah. see you. I feel like it's the temperature of where you are. Sometimes you can be cold and nobody wants to see you, and you can still have a big name, or you can just be like, "Yo, like, I, I haven't seen this person in a while, or I've never seen them before. Let's see what they do." Right. And, Sometimes the shows just have to make sense. You might just match better than somebody who's been out for a while. You just might match with the headlining artist. So I think it's just more of the temperature of where you're at in your career at the moment. Right, right, right. Have you sort of seen with artists both sides, meaning, you know, they were super hot, right? And they, they had the tour heavy. And then you have the part, I remember seeing some with uh, Boys and Men, for instance, where they felt like the, the ebb of their career was playing a nightclub, you know, in a city they hadn't been to in years. Mm-hmm. Um, that was sort of the low point. Now they're doing Vegas residencies and they're they're kind of fine again. So mm-hmm. um, I can imagine you've sort of seen both sides of it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where people are hot and then kind of figuring it out on the other side of things, as it were. Yeah, it's one of those things like, you know, Boys and Men is kind of like a legacy artist, like, you know, at this point, yeah. Yeah, like R&B is one of those things that kind of transcends time. Like, you know, you parents teach it to their kids, their kids like it, and then they're like, oh, he's still around, let me go see him kind of thing. So it's, a, or, you know, parents might, I want to go see him, I'm going to take my kid to see him kind of thing. So it's, right. it's one of those things where you can tour, based on your catalog, you can really tour for the rest of your life, like depending on what, how how engaged with your artists look at people like Shaka Khan, you know, you still see her on festivals, you still see her at like oh, big time, yeah, and stuff like that. And I think it's just really based on on your career and how you do it. And like people like 
Uh, and sometimes they have the, like right now, I think there's the Lovers and Friends Festival that's going to be in around May 13th. And I think it's Vegas. And okay. that's not old, like nostalgic R&B that's from like the 90s. And right. there's, still, there's still always a place for you. It's just, it depends on what your career is kind of thing. Right. And, yeah. From your experience and how how's that different from hip hop? I don't, well, I think R&B is a little bit easier because, you know, it's something that you can bring your friends and like your kids to. So it's yeah. a little easier for people who are grown up and started having children. They want to take their children out or they want to go to things. I think hip hop still, still is relevant because I think Ja Rule still performs. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So I, I, again, it's your market audience. Like, you know who your audience is or you should know who your audience is and you can still find a way to perform. Like. Yeah. I'll still go see Mob Deep anytime if they were so, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah, me. Right, right, right. You tell me there's a Nas concert. I'm like, wait a minute, what day is that? Hold on. Yeah, 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 I can't yeah, yeah. make that. Like, no, and in that analogy, like Mob Deep's great, but if, if you had like a, a five-year-old daughter, can't really bring her to that one in theory, right? So it's like, all right, I got to, that's a different logistic than, oh, you know, there's a festival, yeah. it's R&B, it's, you know. My kid ain't going to see no crazy nonsense at that, you know, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, right? Um, but I do feel like there's still people still want to see the people that they grew up with. They they learn to love over the years, and there's oh, you know, there's still it may not be in every city as much as it used to be, but there's still cities that you can still make a decent decent salary or decent you know living off of. Yeah, right, right. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Then I guess um. You know, obviously, the trending thing today is uh, that interesting Chris Rock and uh, Will Smith uh, 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 conundrum last night, as it were. Um, you being in the live event world, there must be a million crazy stories. And I don't want to get you in trouble, but I don't know if there was anything that jumped out where things maybe did escalate to that point, either fans, artists or backstage or, you know, sound checking something silly happened uh, again without getting you in trouble. I don't know if anything jumped out at you that sound familiar to what happened last night not to that scale okay uh, that i can remember maybe i blocked it out on purpose right yeah right <laughs> but uh i do you know people lose equipment but like how did you lose a whole dj set like oh yeah like stuff like that happens like but not no definitely not not to not that i can remember to that scale not yet thank god i'm not gonna win on that yeah one. i was about to say yeah so yeah, yeah people literally i guess you've been maybe suspicious or like, man, you know, we paid X amount or you tour with this and all of a sudden it's not there. And you've had like some real tough, like, I guess, yeah. <laughs> budget losses. As it were. Yeah, that that yeah. happens. Uh, we're like, you know, how'd you lose the key to the car? Like, right, right, right. You had one job, guy, one job. <laughs> right, right, right. This is it. Like, how'd you do that? Like, you, you I don't have a spear because I didn't get the car like that. One of those things happens. Um there's stuff like, you know, maybe they oversleep and I have to call front desk to go upstairs and wake them up. And luckily they're nice enough to go wake them up out of their bed for me. Um, I had people like show up to a luxury hotel with chicken and leave chicken bones on the counter. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, <laughs> but thank you for accommodating us at the same time. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. There's a free t-shirt. <laughs> like, like, I've definitely done that before. Uh, yeah, smooth it over. Smooth yeah, it over. like uh, I'll take you out to dinner for uh, dealing with that. Thank you. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Don't forget that. Uh, 
uh, it's funny stories more that makes me laugh than anything else. And there, most of the time I have a lot of young kids. So okay, I love when they come to New York, though. It's great because I normally get a driver who knows New York and the, they always want to go to Marcy Projects. <laughs> like, I'm like, really? That's pretty, yeah. I'm like, is, that, is, that a, is that a hip hop? Uh, like, why, why are we doing this? Trying to stop it or whatever. Yeah. So I luckily I always have a nice driver that will take them down there and give them a little tour of the city in between their breaks. So they get to see okay. like, sometimes they've never even been to Times Square or get to do the touristy things like we talk about. So, right. And sometimes they're like, you know what, let me just take this kid around. And that, honestly, I find that so sweet and endearing because you forget because you're like, you're doing all this stuff with them and they're doing all this work. And then you're like, yo, they're just really kids. They're really sweet. Like they just they just want to have fun. And yeah. like I can remember being 20 something years old and just wanted to have a little bit of fun while I'm out. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah. And I would think you had a lot of artists. Yeah. It's the first time in a big city or, you know, New York City. Right. It's yeah. Big moment for them as an artist i would think and you were just um, you're thinking nothing of it because you're like ah move out the way i just trying to make to the subway and they're yeah, like yeah. oh look at the lights you're like what there's oh yeah that's right there are lights like you yeah, know that's true that's new to them yeah that's true yeah, yeah. right or i've seen it on tv you know like you know there's a spotify billboard of them in times square and because you're so not like oblivious sometimes it's such a big deal and such a moment for them and those things actually kind of just like i feel like oh Oh, that's sweet. Like I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that yeah, yeah. I I get I get happy about when I see that happen. That's great. That's great. Well, take a moment. I open C direct hopefully as well. We help artists where they get their first sort of like indie moments, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, selling tickets. So with us, it's uh, help organizers sell tickets and get paid instantly. If you're planning an event and need to sell tickets, uh, you do it like a pro with OpenC direct. People mm-hmm. pay online. They receive a PDF through their email or text. And you get that and get paid immediately, instantly to your PayPal or Stripe account. We're actually working on a Bitcoin connection as well. So with OpenSea Direct, go to www.openseadirect.com. Sign up for free or pay $20 when you put the promo code OSD20 at checkout. So that's openseadirect.com. I guess any other um, either, uh, I guess any other advice that um, comes to mind separate to what we talked about, if, someone again is starting on sort of a smaller level. It was a really good thought to say, you know, start uh, logistically, try to be effective with travel and making it, uh, I guess, you know, budgetary wise, try to be smart with the, with the tour. But are there other stuff, I guess, uh, that comes to mind in addition to that, that um, even if someone is just staying in town that, you know, um, someone like you's done it professionally, either from a ticket allocation or a sort of tour logistical standpoint, could jump out. Um, I would say make sure that your bank account is straight and you have no issues so that you can receive your money. That's always number one. Right. right. Uh, are there occasions where actually there, you know, there has to be a certain amount in, in the like a like a deposit plus or hey, we have to check your account for a certain amount in order to book uh, or anything logistically usually like that. Okay. Yeah. That. But normally um you do run into people's bank information isn't correct. And things get delayed because of that. So I would say before, as soon as you set up your account with you guys and stuff like that, I would take care of that part of it. Um, If you're lucky enough to have a business manager, they should be on point so you wouldn't have to worry about that. Right. Um, Besides trying to take care of yourself on the road, try to eat healthy, you know, maybe skip those French fries and go for a baked potato. (laughs) Like that might help. 
Um, wouldn't the, wouldn't the, the rider take care of that in, to some degree, right? Like if they, sometimes, yeah, it's fast foodie, but it could be yeah. salad or whatever it is, right? Yeah, you can add that into your rider, but most people add liquor. Well, that's yeah. From my yeah, the little I know of it, yeah, that tends to be. Most of the time, people like Casamigos. I'd be like Casamigos is the devil. No, <laughs> yeah, <walk> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's great. So I mean, but yeah, you try to and take it one day at a time. Like it can get overwhelming when you think of a tour in the grand scheme of things. And if you just, I try to take bite sizes and I try to do it like week by week. All right, we got through this week. What are we gonna do next? Like you know, but uh, and pacing yourself. Like that's the like you have to learn how to pace yourself because the whole doing it by yourself is a lot. So, and doing it for yourself is also a lot, but nobody's going to work harder than you for you. Right? right. So you have to learn to find a way to like pace yourself. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, all right. So, so any, uh, again, I'm going to push you one more time on this, like any good celebrity fun story does that have to be getting slapped on national international TV, <laughs> like last night, but I'm curious is, uh, if there's anything cool in your world that you could share that, um, would be fun for the audience to hear, let's say. I did have a full groupie moment with uh, Lionel Richie. Really? <laughs> yeah. My wife would enjoy this very much. So if you could, if any way you could share a little bit, that'd be Okay, cool. so I was like, I just started out and Lionel Richie came to the office and I didn't know he was coming. And my boss at the time was like, girl, cause it was like, like three assistants. And she was yeah. like, girls, come meet Lionel Richie. I said, wait, what? If <laughs> I ran. So her office and I stood up right proper. Hello, Mr. Richie. Nice to meet you. Like, that was my whole groupie moment that I can remember. I've ever been totally in awe of somebody standing in front of me. That's great. Lionel Richie. Now, uh, in person, is he taller than you thought? Is he shorter? Was he, you know, yeah, just what was your impression other than the, you know, yeah, you kind of the fan moment? Let's say he was smooth as hell. I was like, oh, okay, he was a smooth one, sir. Look at that. Smooth as hell. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All those years on the road worked out. You know how to talk to people, sir. Look at that. Well, he was an original Commodore, right? I guess was, so. Right? <laughs> I guess so. That's right. That's right. It's funny with, uh, was it on Idol or what have you? He's had an interesting sort of, let's say, career for, if you were younger, didn't know his music, you know, now you know him as one of the judges on Idol. Yeah. And I guess his personality, just how that might translate pretty well on TV, you know. He was and a very warm it seems like in person was similar. Yeah, he's a very warm, nice man. And it's just like, I don't know what to expect. You know what I mean? Because you I don't have any expectations for everybody. And I but I was surprised of how warm of a person he was. And he was very nice to us, especially, you know, like you're 20 something starting out, and you just, you know, at back then, you know, you're like the you're like the bottom of the barrel kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it it was very nice to meet him. And I I do have one more. I met Mariah Carey and I was reading this story, this book called Push, right? Okay. And Bush, Push turned into the movie Precious, right? Oh, and yeah. I remember when they were telling me she was doing this movie, I was like, oh my God, that book is amazing. You don't know what she's about to do. And they're like, okay, Tanya. I was like, no, you need to read the book. You can't, you can't, you don't understand. You need to read the book. And the book is still one of my favorite books up to this day. And yeah. When I met her, uh, my boss at the time was like, oh, Tanya read the book Push, and she told us about it. And she was like, isn't it great? I was like, oh, my God, it's so great. And she was like, especially this part, we were talking about parts of the book, and we had a whole moment in front of everybody. And I was just like, I love you now, Mariah. 
And she's she like, oh, die. I was like, okay, hi, girl. Like, now you could die um, happy, as it were, right? Huh? Now you could die happy. It was a whole No, no, yeah. My life I've had a full moment with Lionel Richie and a full moment with Mariah Carey. I'm done. There you go. No, that's right. That's right. That's all the good stuff in our, in our world, I guess, right? Yeah, that's the, that's the highlights when you have a moment. And it wasn't about music. It was completely about a book, a random book that got right. turned into a movie. And that was definitely, I forgot about that one, but that was definitely one of the highlights. That's great. That's great. Well, hey, Tanya, Viable Duke, this was a pleasure. Uh, we hope uh, folks out there who will check this same recording or see this live enjoyed it uh, and got some insights on the organized uh, tour marketing and all of that. So, Tanya, Viable Duke, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. You got it. Bye.